0: Hey there, Thrive Church family. I hope you're having a great week and a great weekend. Today we're going to continue in the second part of a two-part series entitled More Than a Story, and I want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, you can go back and check it out at thriveglendora.org. All of our sermons are posted there. Uh, But these two messages really tie together. Uh, I'm sharing over these couple of weeks a little bit about where we currently are and where I see the Lord leading us as a congregation. Uh, by the way, if you weren't able to be a part of the church update and vision night a couple of weeks ago, the recording of that Zoom call is also available at the church website. So take a minute to check it out. I'm going to share a few of the the kind of the high level points from that night today, but uh, it would be great if you can can watch that and hear a little bit more in depth about some of the vision and where we believe God is leading us as a congregation. And so more than a story, more than a story was the first message series that I preached when I was installed as the pastor of uh, this church back in 2015. Megan and myself and our kids uh, relocated from where we were living in Orange County. And we assumed the leadership of this existing congregation and Uh, At that point, I felt like the Lord had put this message on my heart as we introduced ourselves, uh, as our lives intersected from where we had been, where the church had been, uh, where your lives had been. We came together in that moment, in that place. And I feel like that we're really at another uh, new season moment, and we'll uh, even share some passages. I'll share some passages to to that effect here in a minute. But I just really felt like the Lord was saying, revisit this idea of more than a story. This 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 picture of our lives coming together in godly timing to accomplish His purposes in the world. And so uh, we're going to dive right in. Uh, you know, good storytelling does a few things to us. Uh, Whether you've read a book or watched a TV show or a TV series, maybe it's a movie or a a series of movies that you enjoy watching, or even if it's just sitting with someone and hearing their story or you sharing a story, uh, one of the things that we love to do with kids is that we'll tell them stories, read them stories out of a book, or just make stories up. And good stories have an impact on our lives. Good stories, good storytelling will capture our attention, stir our emotions. They will motivate us, teach us. Uh, they'll compel us. I shared last week about when I saw Top Gun when I was a teenager and h- how I was thinking I am gonna be a fighter pilot one day when I grew up. And it it stirred something in me. And I remember that so Vivid, vividly. In fact, I shared uh, f- last week a few great story openers, the first lines of some great stories. I want to share a few more today. So it's a bit of a game here. If you if you know the, the last, the, the ending of the, the line, I'll give you the first part. And if you're watching with someone today, uh, share, tell, tell them what the rest of the line is before I get to say it. So here we go. Uh, how about this one? It was the best of times. It was the... It was the worst of times. Uh, This is one of my favorites right here. In a hole in the ground there lived... That's right, a hobbit. In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. Uh, Another one of my favorite. I shared some good ones last week. These These are kind of my top ones right here. A long time ago in a... That's right, Star Wars fans, a galaxy far far away. These are stories that capture the imagination. And even just with that first line of that story, I imagine that your imagination would be just running wild right now, thinking about all of the narratives, all those stories tied to those first lines. But the best and most important opening line of all of them is this one, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1. And it's the most important one because it is the story of our lives. It is the beginning of our story, even though that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. God was present then and he is present now and he is moving in our lives that we get to be a part of his grand narrative, of his mega story, his mega narrative and what he is doing in the world you see the bible as i mentioned last week is not just a compilation of great stories they're not just anecdotes for us to read but are essentially unrelated to our lives we have to understand that scripture is a part of god's narrative but his story continues to unfold and that our lives are tied to scripture our lives are tied to those who've come before us, those that we would read about in the pages of the Bible, that our lives are connected. And so we are part of this story. You and I are part of God's master plan, a part of his grand story, a part of his mega narrative. And so we have to start there. As we think about the future, as we think about vision, we think about what God is doing in the world, it's so essential that we understand that we're a part of it that none of us are just casual observers, that none of us are disconnected from what God is doing. And so I'd ended last week by uh, encouraging us to ask two questions. The first one was was this, God, what are you up to in the world? What are you doing? What is your mission? What is the Missio Dei, even as we've talked about over the last year? And, And I'd mentioned this, that God is still seeking and saving the lost that he is still transforming lives, lives, that he is still healing the sick, that he is still casting down fear and bringing hope, that God is on the move and that we would ask in our context, in our lives, God, what are you up to? What are you doing in my neighborhood, in my family, in my community, in my life, what are you up to? And then we would ask the follow-up question, God, what are you asking of me? Where does my life intersect? Where does my life fit with what's happening in the world? What are you stirring in me, whether that's today or a decade ago? Asking, God, how have you gifted me? What, have you, what passions have you put inside of me? And I hope and I pray that you took time to contemplate that before the Lord over this last week. I wanna to speak to you a little bit about our current reality our current reality is the church and, of course, just the world that we live in. We recognize that COVID and this pandemic have disrupted our lives. It has been immensely difficult over this last year. And uh, and for some, it's been more, more difficult than other, others. For some, uh, the season has been uh, really a, an inconvenience, maybe. Uh, and for others, it has radically changed your life and has caused all kinds of pain and, and anguish in your life. COVID arrived abruptly, and even the way that uh, we transitioned from meeting in person as a, as a congregation to meeting online happened very quickly in the matter of just a, a couple of days. Uh, the season has been painful, and, and the season has, for many, been marked with a lot of fear and uncertainty. Uh, on top of that, it's also been a season where many have felt disconnected and, uh, and, and wanting greater levels of connection, not seeing people that we care about, even family members. And so we're in a, st- in a time right now where things are starting to lift uh, and things are, are, are looking up, as it were. And, and here's the thing, as hard as COVID has been, As hard as this last year has been, it has also presented incredible opportunities. Huge opportunities. I, I hear stories and testimonies of people whose lives, who have reengaged in their families and with their children, who've reignited passions and hobbies and things that they wouldn't have done, have learned to rest in the midst of this. And beyond that, in the kingdom of God and in the church, that, that this season has caused us to really think about and, 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 and consider who we are and what God has called us to as the church there are opportunities that have been opened through technology to reach the gospel the the last couple of years Easter Sunday last week and and then even the Easter last year that the gospel was presented to more people than ever before in history because of the use of technology and and that is something that is both uh, that is celebrated even though it was it came out of difficulty that the gospel of Jesus the name of Jesus has been lifted high you see church we're we're not called as the body of Christ to be comfortable at no point did god ever say did jesus ever say did the apostles ever say that the goal of our faith was just to settle and be comfortable and to live blessed now guys does god want to bless your life absolutely but just blessing and comfortability is not the goal of this journey, of this, this mega narrative. See, we're called to be on mission. We're called to be a part of God's mission and what he is doing in the world. I love the picture that Jesus paints in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 38. He says this, he told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new uh, uh, of a new garment to patch an old one otherwise they would have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old and no one pours new wine into old wine skins otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined no new wine must be poured into new wine skins this picture of the old and the new that you wouldn't take a piece of fabric out of an old garment and and sew it onto a new one because there as that garment would that that fabric would stretch uh, it would it would tear it wouldn't match it wouldn't it wouldn't fit and and then jesus uses this picture <clears throat> excuse me of the wineskin uh, that you wouldn't pour new wine into an old wineskin. Wineskins were used to ferment and to keep the wine and and this this leather pouch would be filled with that wine and it would allow it to be sit uh, allowed to sit and and develop its flavor and then used to transport around. And for them in that time they recognized you didn't take fresh wine and put it in an old wineskin that was worn out. Because the, the, the wineskin would be ruined and the wine would be lost. There's a the significance of Jesus talking about wine here. Uh, the wine, as we even celebrate communion and remember communion, is this this reflection and it's this remembrance of the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. It is a picture of the gospel. It's the power of God which has been revealed and released in the world at just the right time. In the midst of God's mega narrative in this grand story, at just the right time, Jesus came into this world and and he shed his blood for us and he rose again and then he poured out his spirit and there was this new flow of power that was released upon the world. And really what happened in that moment as you read the, the end of the gospels and then into the book of Acts and beyond, is that it was no longer business as usual that everything changed that the the work and the life of Jesus Christ changed the world forever, affecting us even till today as a part of that story it 's not business as usual as we recognize that the world ha- around us has changed it 's p- important for us to realize. That as much as we want to return to some sense of normalcy, that in this season, there is an opportunity to engage with God in the work he's doing in the world and to ask the question, God, what in the world are you up to and how do we engage with it? Our current reality as a church right now is this. We're not able to return to Sellers Elementary School. The restrictions surrounding COVID, uh, especially because of the use of classrooms, uh, it's just not feasible. It's not the door is not open to us to return to that place. And Sellers has been a, a wonderful home for our church family. Many of you have been a part of the church for a long time in that elementary school, and we're so thankful for that season. Uh, we're also not able to meet here at the Thrive Center, at our, our office space in Glendora. I know some have asked, well, can't we meet there? But a uh, the couple of reasons. First, the capacity here and with with distancing restrictions, as they currently still are in our county, don't allow for us to, to we, we would only be able to have a handful of people in the building. The other thing is, is that our lease in this facility prevents us and doesn't allow us To have weekly gatherings for services Uh, this this building is not zoned for that so that's not an option Uh, we've looked into rental spaces and renting halls and at this moment nothing is available nothing is open people aren't renting uh, for larger gatherings of of people Uh, and even looked into we've looked into along with the church council and our leadership Uh, the option of maybe sharing a facility. And right now churches are just focused on making sure that they're taking care of their congregations. And so some of those doors, uh, those did not open either. And so I don't know about you, but when I come into a season where I'm trying and I'm trying, I'm trying to do something and it just isn't happening, if there's a moment where you step back and go, okay, God, what are you up to? What are you doing in the midst of this? And this is a, this is a larger uh, truth for us to capture is that when in our own strength, we can't force something, we can't make something happen. It's a good time to step back and go, okay, God, help me see beyond the physical. Help me see beyond what I perceive to be the reality and ask the question, God, what are you up to? And and really what the question is this, is this a new wine season? Are you pouring out something fresh? Are you doing something new in your spirit and in the world that is not intended to be poured out to, into what was before? And that's really the sense that myself as a, the pastor of this congregation, along with our, our pastoral team and our church council as we've sought the lord over these past few months say god what are you doing we really believe that god is leading this congregation thrive church glendora Foursquare square church that he is leading us into a new season into a, a new wine skin if you will and so i want to share a little bit about what that looks like and i want to encourage you as i share as i talk about this would you consider would you pray and would you ask god how does my life intersect? Why, why am I here at this moment for this season? And I wanna tell you whether or not you are a part of this congregation from before when we were meeting at Cellars and, and, and meeting in person here in Glendora, or if you've become a part, I know there's a number of people who've become, become a part of Thrive Church during this last year where our services have been online. Uh, in both cases, would you ask, Lord what are you asking of me? See, because the vision for the next season of Thrive Church is not my vision. It's not just my vision. I believe that God has called me as the pastor to to discern and seek his will for our congregation, but I don't do that in a vacuum. I don't do that alone. I I, I have a leadership team. We have a pastoral team, and I have those that I'm accountable to that we would Pray through that and now bringing this even to you as a congregation to say, this isn't just my vision. I believe this is what God has for us, that this is a shared vision. This is a part of our story as God is moving in our lives. I mentioned this last week. I believe that there are amazing days ahead for Thrive Church, amazing uh, opportunities for effective ministry, for missional activity for this congregation in the world. And that this may look very different to what things have been before. Even to what our experience, our shared experience and our personal experience has been within the church. Recognizing that all of us, uh, there are so many who have varied, I grew up in big churches. Some of you have been a part of big churches. I've been a part of small churches. I've been a part of church plants. Some of you have been a part of home church networks and and kind of runs the whole gamut here's what I know, is that it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. One of the things we say in the Foursquare Church is this, one of our, our our statements is this, that we are the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And so there are mega churches, there are churches filled with thousands of people, and I know that there are churches around the world, that meet under trees, that meet in coffee shops, and some churches that even meet in secret because of persecution. It takes the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. We might think, well, this next season might look a little different. I'll spell out some of what that means here in just a minute. But the truth is, if we think about the mega narrative of scripture and the fact that we are part of a larger story, as we look back Moving forward. I said this last week that looking backward is a big part of how we move forward. And we can look back not just uh, to, to the last year, but we can look beyond that. There, there are some things that the Lord stirred in my heart a number of years ago that I want to share with you as a word that the Lord gave to me back in 2015. And then I want to read a passage out of Acts uh, chapter 2. So when I first came to this church, I was excited. I was passionate about what God would have. Uh, anytime you start something new, there's just, you know, there's that freshness. And you're going, God, what do you have? What do you have? And I remember that that year, 2015, our Foursquare Annual Convention was in Anaheim. And I had gone, I was listening to one of the pastors speak. And he was sharing about having a faith, uh, a, a faith vision, a, 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 a level of faith to believe for something Big to ask God for something big for our churches, and i I remember I was sitting up by myself up in uh, the kind of the bleachers in the Anaheim Convention Center. And as the new pastor to this church, I started asking God in that moment, God, what do you have for us? What is the vision? What is the, that, that point of faith that I need to bring back to our church council, to our leadership and to our congregation? And my first thought was this, as a church that had for many, many years been meeting in a school in a rented facility, I, I thought, Lord, is it a building? Do I need to be asking? Do we need to be believing for a building? Now, again, you may not be aware of this, but for many years, there was a lot of different opportunities, a lot of searching for a permanent or more permanent home for this church. And over and over again, those doors closed, which is significant. Say, God, why? Why why did those doors not open? So here in the Anaheim Convention Center, I asked the Lord, Is it a building? Do I need to have faith for a building? And I don't know if you've had an opportunity to hear almost the audible voice of God or if God has spoken to you in this way. I would say this is one of the moments in my life where it wasn't audible, but I knew that God was speaking to me. It was an immediate response by the Holy Spirit as he tugged on my heart. And here's what I I heard, and I've shared this before. uh, Some of you will remember this. Uh, as I've shared it with the church. Here's the words I heard. Stop asking for a building. Stop asking for a building. And it was an emphatic, stop asking for a building. Because whatever you think you need will not be able to contain the work that I want to do. Stop asking for a building because whatever you think you need will not be able to contain the work that I want to do. And I, was, I remember sitting there going, wow, okay, Lord, that's, that's a very clear word, a very clear point of direction. Now, of course, my next thought was this, oh my goodness, that's going to be a big building. And, and just so stuck in my wineskin, I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way, I was stuck in my wineskin. So even when God said, stop asking for a building, my very next thought was, wow, that's going to be an amazing building. A few months ago, in the midst of COVID, the Lord reminded me about that word. And there was an aha moment for me, as I was praying, as I was seeking the Lord, as our church council and our pastoral team and leadership were saying, Lord, what do you have for us? The Lord reminded me about that word, about not asking for a building, not seeking a building. And I realized in that moment that what God knew back in 2015, what we didn't realize would be happening in 2020, and 2021, the things that would transpire surrounding COVID and the pandemic and and just the radical shifts that we would have that God already knew. And when he said, stop asking for a building because what you think you need will not be able to contain what I wanna do. He already saw what would happen over this past year. See, God wasn't talking about a building at all. And it's so important for us to remember this church that we're a body. That he was talking about a body of people, not about a structure, not about a building. Now, hear my heart in this, that there are some great churches, there are lots of great churches that have great buildings, and that is God's intent for those congregations. That is part of his plan and part of their story. It just happens, so happens that our church is in a different place. And so asking God, what do you have for us? See, God's not talking about a building it's beyond a building. And I want to go back even further now to Acts chapter 2. Beyond 2015, back to Acts chapter 2. When the church was first getting started, the Spirit of God had been poured out. Jesus promised after his, his resurrection and after his ascension that the Spirit of God would be poured out. And there would be this move of his Spirit that would, would cause the church to grow and the apostles, the disciples, had no idea what was coming. Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, and he preaches a message, and in one day, 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord. Even in today's standards, that would be a big deal. But here at the very outset of the church, there is this, this massive just movement of the Spirit that causes people to come to know Jesus by the thousands without any of the technology that we have, without any of the systems and the structures that we have today. And so in Acts chapter two, 42 through 47, we have the record of this story, of this narrative, God's mega narrative and and, and the account of what was happening in that time. And I'd like to read that to you. It says this, they, those that, that had been saved, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This amazing picture of this the, the early church where there was this excitement and there was this unity and there was this commonality and it says that they they came together and they, and, and the, the believers submitted themselves to teaching and they submitted themselves to 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 the the discipleship of the apostles, and they broke bread, and they prayed together, and it says that they were filled with awe, and there were signs and wonders as the Spirit of God was poured out, as the prophet Joel said, on all flesh, on all people, young and old. And there was this movement, and the people came together, the church came together, and they worshiped daily, not just on Sunday, or in their case, as it would have been on Saturday, on the Sabbath, that it wasn't just a a -a one-time-a-week kind of experience for them. That their lives were interacting with each other and interconnected, and that they supported each supported each other and and ate together. It's not when it says that they broke bread; it wasn't just that they shared communion. They shared life. They ate meals together. They laughed. They prayed. They worshiped. They learned together. Uh, it says, by the way, that uh, that they went to the temple courts and they were in this place where they were. Uh, Jewish people who that was a part of their practice. There was a daily call to worship and a daily call to prayer, whether at the temple or at the synagogue. And and yet now they find this new faith in Jesus and there's new, this new rhythm. And by the way, it wouldn't be long before the Christians would no longer be welcomed in those places of worship, that even that wineskin would fall away, especially after the temple was destroyed. And so that the believers as the church spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth, Antioch and Corinth and and the Galatian region and Ephesus and Rome, as the church spread, that the church had no formal structure, that the church met in homes and the believers came together. And there was just this movement of the power of God. It says that they had the favor of all the people that God's hand was in such, on them in such a way that the, the community was impacted. And then it says this, God was adding to their number daily, those who were being saved. God grew his church. You see, ministry happened, connection happened, care happened, transformation happened, miracles happened, favor happened. And God was in the midst of it, rising up his people to be the church. What does God have for us? As I read this passage, and this has long been a favorite passage of mine, as I was reading this passage and have meditated on this passage over this last year, I've kept thinking, Lord, what about now? Lord, would you reawaken the church in that kind of way? Lord, I wanna see people coming to know you for the first time. I want to see people released in their gifting. Lord, we want to see people raised up. We want to see dreams released, passion released, the spirit of God moving, that we would see miracles, that we would have favor in our communities, that we would be the people of God on the mission of God. Church, as as we consider this, as we look at this, as we look at what God did then, we recognize that God can do it now as well. We need all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people around the world. Lord, would you stir something in us to recapture what it was to be a part of a church that was on the move in the way that they were. As we look ahead, I wanna jump to Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 through 13. The Apostle Paul writes this about the leadership of the church and the role of the leaders in the church. And this is what he says in verse 11 of chapter 4. So Christ gave himself... Himself, rather, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and then the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul here gives a snapshot of what, how the church is supposed to function and that those who are given to be apostles and and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, that their role, that my role, the role of our leadership team and our pastoral team is to equip you, the ministers of the church. We use that term in our context, don't we? We say minister and we reference pastors. Oh, that person is a minister but you are the ministers of the church. You are the church. You are the ones that God has released into your community, into your workplace, into your school, into your family to bring the gospel, to bring the good news of who who Jesus is. And my job and the, the job of our team, our pastoral team is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And I believe we have an opportunity in front of us to do just that to use the technology that we have available to us, to use the vehicles that that are in front of us, whether that's the internet, uh, whether that is uh, our website, whether that is video, whether that is the written word, whether that's in small groups, that we would equip the church, that you would be equipped to do the work that God has called you to, as Paul says, that the body will grow together with every supporting lig- ligament as it builds itself up and everyone doing its part, each part doing its work. See, you're God's chosen minister in your community. your place, replace your school and your family. And we want to equip you to be able to reach that community, to see people's lives transformed, so what are the next steps look like for us as a church? Where do we go from here? And I want to tell you, this is just this next season, that we're not dreaming five years ahead, that we're just saying, God, in these, um, these immediate next steps, what do you, what do you have for us? And, and I just want to map these out real quickly, and then I'll pray. The first is this, called Church at Home. Church at Home. I'll tell you right now that Thrive is not just becoming an online church. I I, online church is passive that I can watch church whenever I want, wherever I want by myself. That's not our heart. That's not, we will use online as the vehicle, as the mechanism to help resource you. But the goal is not just to become an online church. You see church at home is this, it's church when and where you are. There's so many people that I've talked to who said, I would go to church, but I work on Sundays where the weekends are difficult for me. And that we would stop being a church that is just Sunday morning driven. Uh, Even in the shift from meeting in person to going online. I noticed this for us and I noticed for a lot of other churches, even pastors I've talked to, that we essentially took what we did on Sundays and we just replicated it online. But we have an opportunity to really blow the doors off this thing. To say, you know what? We're going to bring the gospel. We're going to bring church to every day every moment as people uh, engage and as people have the opportunity so church at home what does that look like and who can do that anyone can do it you can you can host church at home and here's what I would invite you to do don't just watch service alone whether that's sunday morning or saturday night or friday night or thursday night or whenever that would be would you determine to set aside a portion of your week to worship the Lord, to, as our worship team has been faithful in, in recording worship sets, as the, the message comes, as the word is preached, that you would take that resource, gather a group of people, whether that's your family, your friends, your neighbors, and invite them to join you and to do church at home, to lift your voices together, to start reengaging and bringing that connection, but doing it where you live, to doing it in your ministry context And we'll keep resourcing you to be able to do that. And here's the beautiful thing is that we can can see this expand just beyond Southern California that I already know that there are people all around the nation and even all around the world who are participating in Thrive Church, who even call Thrive Church their home church, who do not live within hundreds or even thousands of miles of Glendora, California. God is already doing this work. So first step is this, church at home. The next is this connect groups. I've mentioned connect groups before and this is an opportunity to grow a little deeper, to, to to get connected with a, a group of people to for the purpose of worshiping, growing, encouraging praying for, holding accountable, having fun, fellowshipping, breaking bread. And this is a little more formal. You'll hear more about this, uh, in the next few, few days and weeks. Uh, we have a page on the website right now that talks about connect groups. Uh, these groups will be facilitated, uh, by individuals that are, are trained and ready to, to lead and to, to serve. Um, we're calling them community builders. And the community bu- builder's job will be to do just that, to build that sense of community within a group of people who meet on a regular basis. One of the things that connect groups can do is gather to do church at home, but it goes beyond that. And we're looking at opportunities for uh, interests, interest groups, maybe life stage, different ways that your lives engage. Connect groups will be offered online and in person, And they'll be listed on the church website, and we just want to keep adding to those connect groups and give every one of you an opportunity for greater level of connection within the body of Christ. Uh, Our next gen, for our kids and our youth, we're keeping. We're going to keep pressing forward. We're trying to trying to just be on the cutting edge and innovative of how we reach our youth and our kids. Uh, Our youth continue to meet on Zoom. Uh, uh, Rosie and the kids team are doing a phenomenal job. And Pastor Deb with our Thrive Kids by offering weekly resources. Parents, we want to resource you to be able to disciple your children. That's our heart. That's our desire through our Thrive Kids ministry is to resource you to be able to disciple children. Your kids. Uh, we currently have monthly uh, Zoom events, and as things move forward, we're con- c- continually going. How can we change? And and there might be opportunity even as Connect groups start gathering in person, looking for opportunities for our kids and our youth to start reengaging uh, in person, not just here in SoCal, not just here in Glendora, but even regionally and around the world that we would find opportunities facilitate that so that would be kind of our phase one and we're going to talk a lot more about that you'll hear more about that in our email communication and on the website in the coming days and weeks and uh, as we move move ahead. The next phase would be this, is, as our team adjusts to this new reality, that we want to continue offering classes, EHS, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Relationships courses. We want to uh, offer enrichment courses to, to help us grow in the Lord, to help us disciple uh, each other and be discipled by the Lord, that the, those connections are so important. Uh, we, we're looking to add a series of resource and growth videos on our website that, that that are available to you, but also available for you to minister. These will be 10 minute, around 10, 12 minute long videos that focus on different aspects of life and faith and growth. Think YouTube, YouTube style videos that really answer questions that would people would have about what it means to serve Jesus and be a part of the body of Christ and those the desire with those is that they would resource you resource our connect groups but also be a, a tool for reaching the world and connecting with people be, way beyond where we currently live we're looking ahead to doing regional monthly gatherings to to gather in person in parks or at the beach times for worship, for fellowship and fun and, and we're figuring out the best way to be able to do that as we move forward because we do recognize that it's important that at times we come together uh, as a larger body of Christ. It just may look a little bit different in this next season. And I got to tell you, I even dreamed down the road. Uh, what is this what could this look down look like down the road? I, I believe that we could see thrive Uh, Thrive uh, groups, connect groups, church at home groups all around the world. I believe that we could see regional gatherings all over the U.S. and all over the globe as people engage with the gospel and our resource through the ministry of this congregation. I believe that we could one day, and I, I dream about a day where we could even have an annual Thrive Conference where we come together from all over with, with hundreds, even thousands of people to worship the Lord over the course of a few days, to gather and to lift the name, the name of the Lord high and to be resourced and built up. Uh, we're going to continue to do missions trips so, to support missionaries, but also to go. Uh, we want to continue to take teams and groups to Israel and, and beyond. There's so much opportunity, church. Here's what I love, though, and I'll close with this. In the book of Acts, in the city of Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, at that point Paul was called Saul, had gone to find this, to, to really investigate. Barnabas was sent to investigate this group of believers that were meeting in a home that were not a uh, formally sanctioned group out of Jerusalem. They were just a group of people who loved Jesus, who'd heard the gospel, who had committed their lives to the Lord, and they came together and started fellowshipping in a home. And it was in the midst of this home, as they worshiped and prayed together, that the Spirit of God spoke to that group and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And out of that place, they were sent on a mission. And we have the majority of the, the New Testament is a direct result of what happened in that home as the gospel spread. I believe we are living in a time not unlike what it was in the book of Acts, that God is moving in this time to release people, not out of sanctuaries and big buildings, but in living rooms as small groups gather together and listen to the voice of God together and pray for each other and encourage that there will be release of calling and of power and and of ministry like we've never seen before. And I want to encourage you. Would you pray? Would you ask and say, God, where do I fit? What's my part in this? Thank you for your patience today. I know we've gone a little bit longer, but I believe this is an important message for us to to hear as a church family. Uh, We have an opportunity coming up. Uh, for, for those who would want to be a part of uh, Connect Groups uh, b- to be a community builder and help facilitate that. If that's you, please go to thriveglandor.org and, and click on the, uh, the Thrive Group uh, button. There will be a link there. And you can actually, if you feel like God is prompting you to be one of our community builders and to, to facilitate a Connect Group, uh, you can fill out a form and, and sign up to be a part of that. encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have not stopped moving, that your story continues to unfold around the world. And we ask God today that in this moment, in this Kairos moment, Lord, as we are coming out of a difficult year and, and wondering what the future holds, God, we recognize that you are in the past, that you, are, you, were, you were present, that you've been with us, that you never left us nor forsaked us. And God, that you were already in the future. You are already moving beyond what we can see and dream and imagine. And Lord, we ask, I ask today that you would stir our hearts and stir our imagination to dream about how we can partner with you in the kingdom work, in the work of the gospel, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, Lord, in our schools, our community, our friendship groups, and beyond. To all have heard the name of Jesus, we give you praise in your name. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday.